As you know, we're picking up a couple of points from the life of Abraham on a Sunday morning. A person who went out not knowing whither he was going. And I'm going to read the first six verses of Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? See, and I go childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. But indeed one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look. And he said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and God accounted to it to him for righteousness. This is where we start to look at the effect that Abraham has upon us and the doctrine of justification by faith. And that uh, sixth verse there is a turning point, I think, in the order, a pivotal point in the whole of the scriptures. He believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. We're not going to get there today. You know, when you really think about this conversation between Abram and God, it really, if you really read it for the first time, it would probably blow your mind completely. And I've got to be honest, I wouldn't have liked to have been in Abram's shoes at this point. I think he's, uh, his, his faith is being tested to the limit. When you think about what God has promised him in these six verses. You see, if God had told him to hitch his wagon to a mule, it would have been so much easier for him to understand and for him to believe. But God has told him to hitch his wagon to a star. And I think that the magnitude uh, of God's expectations and God's promises are a totally different ball game to anything that he had gone through up until now and to anything that you and I have ever gone through that Abraham approaching his 100th birthday his wife approaching a 90th birthday no children of any kind and God is saying look to the stars count them if you are able and that's how many descendants I will give you it would have been so much easier for Abraham if God had said well yes Ellie is a, he's a decent man he's in your household you can trust him we know that we could trust him because I think this is the fellow that he sent off to find a wife uh, for, for Isaac if I'm not mistaken so you can trust him you know and he's there faithful and true to Abraham and to all that he stood for yes he, let him be there let him be the one that will carry on this line 
that will take it to the and bring the Messiah into being. But he didn't say that. He said, a son from your own body, from your own body, will be your heir, and you will not be able to count your descendants. Now we know that later on, Abraham took that as his own body, but the body of a slave, a woman. And then two together would bring uh, forth a son, and that would be the way that God would fulfill his promise. But no, he takes him to one side again, if you remember the story, and he says, no, it's not uh, this way that I want you to do it. You're Sarah. I know she's 90. I know she's gone past the, the age of childbearing, but you is the one that will bear you a son, and you won't be able to number your descendants. Talk about itching your wagon to a star. Talking about looking at the magnitude of God's promises. Talking about stretching your faith. And here is Abraham. So much easier if he'd gone down his route. But no, you have to go through God's route. You can imagine him saying, you know, thinking, have you heard this wrong? No, say that again. My descendants are going to be like stars. Look at me, I'm as good as dead. And my wife, she's as good as dead. What on earth are you talking about? You know, it's not a bigger boat that we're going to need. It's a bigger reservoir of faith that we're going to need. You see, but if Abraham is going to amount to anything, then by faith, he is going to have to hitch his wagon to this star. You know, he's thinking to himself, well, I've left home, I've escaped Egypt, and I've overthrown an enemy. And all those things were big things, huge things, but they were peanuts in comparison to this bombshell that God was dropping upon him. But you know what I've uh, sort of gleaned from this part of the scripture? That God addresses him in such a way as to ensure him that he who brought him so far is the one who will bring his promises to fruition in the future. We used to sing a song here. Um, he didn't bring us out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to take us in to the promised land. He didn't bring us out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to take us in to the promised land. And that sort of sums up this situation. God hadn't brought him this far to leave him high and dry. He hadn't brought him this far and shown him all these wonderful things to fail at this point. And therefore this first phrase that we will look at this morning uh, is an amazing uh, act of encouragement and satisfaction for Abram from the voice of God. Listen to what it says. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Now, we in Emmanuel, we know by now that when God tells us not to fear, then it certainly is the time to start fearing. Because what comes next is beyond anything that we are comfortable with. Think of the times when 
God said, fear not. Fear not, Joseph. Mary, the child that she will bear, is the son of God. Can you imagine what type of bombshell that is? Fear not, Joseph. No, he wasn't fearing at this point. But now, you know, he could have said, well, well that's all right then. It's the son of God. I just thought she'd been unfaithful. You know, that happens all the time. You know, um, fiancés find out that their wives have been unfaithful, and there's the, the evidence. And yes, it's a, it's a bloody blow, and it's a shock, but you walk away, and you live your life. But Joseph, no, this child isn't because she's been unfaithful, Joseph. This child is God. You know, that's, that's worse, I think. But, you know, his knees must have buckled when he thought that God was in the womb of his fiancée. You know, that's all right then. Fear not, Mary. Although you've known no man, you're going to have a son by the Holy Spirit. You know, no one has had a son by the Holy Spirit before. No one has had a son by the Holy Spirit since. She is the only person in history who has had a son by the Holy Spirit. And God told her to fear not. You know, these two people heard the words fear not. And do you know they never went back to their comfort zone ever again. Their life was full of the turmoil of serving God on the earth. So when you hear the words fear not, you know that something's coming that's going to blow your mind. For Joseph, it was a massive revelation. For Mary... It was an amazing experience. God in the flesh, in my flesh. For Abraham. Can you imagine when he heard those words? Fear not, Abraham. He must have thought, ah, oh, what's coming now? What's coming now? You know, and um, the encouragement that comes. I am your shield. I am your shield. Fear not, I am your shield. Something big is on its way. Something faith-stretching is on its way. But the first thing that Abraham has to understand is that God is his shield. What a lovely thought. You know, Peter left his comfort zone when he stepped out of a boat one night and started walking on the water. And I don't know about you, but I, you'd think that Jesus might have made it a little easier and calm to see he could do it. We know he could do it because he did it in another place. But he didn't do it. Peter walked on the boisterous sea of Galilee. But you know when he stepped out of that boat he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone at all. There was someone there. You know and even when he started to sink and be afraid you would have thought that Jesus would have calmed the sea. But he didn't. He didn't. You want know, Peter, having stepped out of his comfort zone at the bidding of Christ, came to the shield that God had promised to be. He came to the shield. You want know, God reached out his hand and pulled him up. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? You know, and we can see that Peter was in complete trust of God. Nothing that he could do himself. All 
of God. You know, and the word shield means obviously protection. Of course it does. But it also refers to the scales that, wrap, that are wrapped around a crocodile. Now I dare you to go and bite the crocodile. You won't get very far because the scales of a crocodile are almost like steel. You know, and it is so difficult to penetrate those scales that it has. And any predator that would come, ar come around or a crocodile would be put off by the scales that are around it. You know, and that's what Jesus God is saying to Abraham. I am the scales of a crocodile that are wrapped around you. I am the shield that will put my hand down and lift you up. Even though the, the, the wind is, uh, is blowing, the waves are contrary, I will be with you all the time. I am your shield. The word also means a hedge. A hedge. You know, we know that a, a hedge does, uh, does two things. First of all, it keeps danger out. And it keeps you safe. It keeps danger out. And it keeps you in. You are safely enclosed within the hedge of God's security. Of God's shield. But not only does a hedge keep you safe, but it directs you. You know, it directs you. It edges you to where God wants you to be. And when you put all those things together, you, you, this promise that Abraham has, that nothing will come to harm you, because I am your shield. Even though you go through boisterous times, and you fail, I will lift you up. An enemy can't get at you. And you can't fall into enemy territory. And besides that, where I want you to go, that's where you will go. And that's all included in this wonderful uh, promise that God is to Abraham. He is his shield. I am your security, says the Lord. And I am also your way, your direction in life, your future, your destiny. You know, I wonder if we know in this place this morning that this is exactly what the Lord is to us he is our security he is our way he tells us I am the way the truth and the life he is our direction he is our future he is our destiny you know being in Christ Jesus as we are this morning as uh, we put our trust in him it has so many attendant blessings because no longer is Satan able to snatch us away our position in God is unassailable and there is a way there is a way that pans out before us that the father himself has ordained the father who loves us has ordained you know this is the way it says in, in, in Isaiah, this is the way, walk this way. We have a hedge about us. We have a hedge about us. And it is all those things to us this morning. Because you see, we have um, experiences that stretch our faith. That cause us to question. That confuse us. That brings us down sometimes. Experiences. Circumstances. Where's God in all this? You only could imagine Abraham as life goes on from this point. You know, he's still childless for another 10 years, I think. 
You only thinking, where's God in all this? And yet there's this shield that is rounded about him. There's this direction that he's going in. There's this destiny that he has to fulfill. And whatever our circumstances, you know, and they can come upon us, and in no way would I belittle any experience that comes our way, any circumstance that would cause us to, uh, to fumble, to be confused, to question. You know, I belittle nothing. Because the human experience can be a very hard one to understand. A very tragic one. A very painful one. We all know that. But the joy of knowing that there's a shield. That there's a hedge. That there's a way. That there's a destiny. That there's a plan. That God has for us. Being in Christ has so many attending blessings. You know, so far, Abraham has enjoyed the security of this truth without perhaps knowing it. You know, and I suppose that's true of us. That, you know, when the, when the preacher, or when you read the Bible for yourself, and you see something you've never seen before, and you think, oh, that's wonderful. But you see, it was wonderful yesterday as well. But you didn't know about it. You know, there are so many things that God does for us, and continues to do for us, and is for us, and plans for us, that we know nothing at all about. And then when we find them in the Word, that's why I think Bible study is the most exciting thing on the planet today. Now that's a big statement, because there's lots of exciting things on the planet. But you know, when you read the Scriptures, and understand them, or hear them um, exposed in the way that they are this morning, and you know something is true, it was true yesterday, but now you know it. And it's exciting. No one, Abraham, even enjoyed the security of such the truth. You know, because who in their right mind would leave the safety of civilization like he did, not knowing whether, whether he was going, without the blessed assurance that God is our way, is our hedge, is our protection. But then God, God goes on. He says another little phrase. You were exceedingly great reward. What happens if I follow the hedge? Where will it lead me? Where is this journey going to take me? What will it give me? Thinks Abraham. You know, and of course we want to know the outcome of our actions. We want to, uh, we would be fools not to want to understand an understanding of the consequences of our choices. Of course we do. We want to know what it means that we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. What will it bring us? Where will we end? You know, as we look at the scriptures, we know that it will bring us eternal life. It will show us the pathway to heaven. It will give us a relationship with God himself. It will mean that our sins have been completely uh, dealt with and in God's presence we are perfect and, and not having to fear or crumble in his presence. Of course we want to know and understand the consequences of our choices. We would be fools not to. You know, if, if uh, after all, God is very quick to tell us what the wages of sin is. The wages of sin is death. You know, and we know what the consequence of sin is because it's plain to see it. The wages of sin is death. So what then are the wages of faith? Surely it's a, a valid request given the circumstances. Now in hindsight, 
we know that Abraham went from this incident <coughs> and uh, actually became the father of multitudes, the father of nations, the father of the faithful. Abraham, of course, is the father of the three monotheistic faiths that exist in the world today. Christianity uh, traces its uh, roots back to Abraham. Judaism traces its roots back to Abraham. And, of course, Islam traces its roots back to Abraham. You know, and it could be said that besides Christ, Abraham is the most famous man of all time. Nearly is. In his tent, in a place that no one ever, none of us have ever been to, no one knows where it was, and he's the most famous man in history. And um, what a legacy, what a reward. But that's not what he's talking about. That's not what this exceedingly great <coughs> reward is all at all. You no, know, people want their 15 minutes of fame and celebrity. You know, you know, sick to death of celebrity programs on the television and uh, people trying to get their face in front of the camera just for a few moments like they do anything they eat anything just to get their face in the camera I hate celebrity no but it's you know it's, it's a drug for lots of people you know and here is Abraham the greatest celebrity of all time but is that, his, but is that the reward is that where this hedge is going to lead, lead into? Well, let's look again to the verse. I am you, a shield. You are exceeding great reward. When it seems to me that having God as a shield is the great reward. Having God as a shield is the great a great Reward. You know the words of the psalmist, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore I will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. God is our refuge and our strength. God is our very present help in times of trouble. What an amazing reward that is. That nothing that can come against us. You and this world prepares to destroy each and every one of us. Whether through natural causes, the sun beating down on us and all the things through spiritual causes, through political causes, you and I are going to are the victims of people trying to destroy us. And yet here is God saying this is your reward. I'm you. I've turned up. I've got you in the hollow of my hand. Walk through the fire. I'll be there. It won't touch you. Walk through the water. I'll be there. It won't drown you. What a reward. What a glorious reward. I think that that is reward in and of itself. Having someone else to take the string. To bear the brunt. To make the intercessions. You know, knowing that type of security is most satisfying. Unless, I would say, exhilarating. Because we walk around with peace. We walk around with joy. We can walk over the billows. Because that's what Peter did. He walked over the billows. Why? Because Christ was his ever-present help in times of trouble. And his hand was there 
to hold him up. What did Moses say when he talked about God? He says, underneath are the everlasting arms. We can dwell in safety by his side. We are carried. You know, again, I, I remember using uh, being carried on your shoulder as, a, as an illustration. Uh, when Nicholas and Joseph, my two nephews, when they were little, we were walking back from, in the conference, we were walking back from the, the meetings to the chalets, which was always, we were always the last chalet. You know, you know the, the, the meetings was on the beach, and our chalet was in Taunton, I think. And, you know, and the, the little ones used to, in the nights, used to waver, and I picked Nicholas up. And Joseph, his brother, would always used to give him a clout. And he said, I'm bigger than you now. Try it now. Beauty is on my shoulders. And yesterday I had the same, uh, had the same experience as we were walking uh, down from uh, through Aberystwyth yesterday with uh, my two new grandchildren, Lily and Tyrone. And they were sagging a bit as we'd done a lot of walking. And up they came and asked exactly the same words. Look how big I am. No. I'm bigger than you all. You know, that's how we are. We are and the everlasting arms are under us. We dwell in safety besides him. We are carried on his shoulders. What a wonderful joy it is to be in his hands. To be and you know that reward in and of itself. Because when you think about it, all the other stuff pales into insignificance. Pales into insignificance. Whatever happened to Abraham, the most important thing was that God was his shield. That was his greatest reward. You know, with all the esteem, Mary had, having been chosen to bear the Christ, and all the fame that she has received afterwards, some perhaps unwanted. But when you listen to her Magnificat, the song that she sang, when she knew that she was going to be this person, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Yes, the other things are important. But the most important thing, the most important thing, you know the most important thing for Mary is not that she bore Jesus, but that Jesus bore her. That's the most important thing. That Jesus is her shield, her exceeding great reward. It's the relationship she has with her Lord that outshines anything else that she had experienced. You might know, say that she was and is the most privileged woman of all time. And yet that pales into insignificance when she realizes that God is her Savior. Jesus Christ is her Lord. You know, of all the great men that appeared in the Old Testament, Abraham is the only one to be called the friend of God. That's how close he got. That's his reward, being a friend of God. That's how deep his relationship went. You are we in awe of, of Abraham because he's called the friend of God. What a wonderful joy and privilege it would be as we enter into the New Testament, and we listen into a conversation 
that Jesus was having with his disciples one day. And that eavesdropping into the conversations of Christ when he talks to his disciples. Because he said these words, Greater love has no man than this, and to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Surely this is our great reward, to be called the friend of God. The friend of Christ. The hedge that God has placed around those who trust him. This irresistible barrier between us and the world. This security cordon that withstands the onslaught of every evil enemy is ours in Christ Jesus. You are set to bring us to glory and into the very personal presence of God himself. But at the same time, it's set to cement our relationship with him that goes even deeper than friendship. You know, poor away, Abraham had to be content with being called the friend of God. No one else had, but he was only a friend. Go further into the New Testament and listen to what Paul says. He says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. A son. And if a son, then an heir. An heir of God through Christ. And then he goes on, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba Father. What a relationship we're in. Look how close we are. You know, we're not outside where the slaves are. We're not a little bit closer where the friends are. But we're right in the household where the sons are. That's what God has done for us. That's our great exceeding reward. Not only does he protect us and edge us and direct us, but he loves us. And there's a love and an embrace of a father to a child. What a reward that is to be a part of the family of God. I said earlier that of course we want to know the outcome of our actions. We would be fools not to want an understanding of the consequence of our choices. Well, here it is. An eternal relationship as sons adopted by the Father into his eternal rest. You want every other blessing that God has afforded us and there are too many to go into. They all pale into insignificance when we realize the exceedingly great reward that we have in Christ. Paul says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she be holy and without blemish. This is our great inheritance. This is our destiny. But this is also our present reality. You know, I talked last time, if you remember, about the contradiction because between what is real of us and what is actual. You know, we are actually on the earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. We are seated in heavenly places, yet we walk on the road. We are sinlessly perfect, yet we know we fall all the time. There's a reality and there's an actual. 
And this is the reality that you and I are sons and daughters of the living God. We're in the family. We're enjoying this relationship right now. You know, despite what our actual will tell us, this is the real deal. This is the real deal. We are hidden in Christ in God. Or as John tells us in his first epistle, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You know, Abraham had this blessing straight from the mouth of God. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. You're exceeding great reward. But me too have such a blessing straight from the mouth of God. And because of it, we can enjoy the security of confidence in the destiny and walk in the certainty of divine companionship daily. Hour by hour, moment by moment. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. That's our destiny. It's there now. Gleaming. All wrapped up waiting for us to take possession of it in heaven. But then it goes on. For you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. That's our present. That's our ever present help in times of trouble. Wouldn't it be awful if God prepared for us a destiny and was unable to get us to it? Wouldn't it be awful if he got a place in heaven reserved for David and yet failed to get him there? You know, that destiny, that inheritance would remain wrapped up for eternity. You know, and it would be a stigma on the character of God, on the promises of God, because he failed to get David there. Ah, oh, but David did it now. No, he failed. That's what it says. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. I thank God uh, this morning that I have a destiny. I have an inheritance that's up there. It will never fade away. It's incorruptible, undefiled, reserved. You know, it doesn't say, well, just, well David didn't make it, we'll give it to Brian. No, it's reserved for him. It's reserved for me. It's reserved for Bill. Of course it is. Why? Because we've got a shield. We've got an edge about this. And where's it taking us? To this great reward of knowing Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, as our Father, as our God. From now until then, that edge is taking us, keeping us, and taking us. No, whatever comes next for Abraham, this is the best bit. Yes, he became famous. Yes, he became, you know, he had more grandchildren than he couldn't shake a stick at. But the most important thing was God was his shield. God was his reward. And he and God are now wrapped together, the same as you and I are wrapped together with him 
for time and for eternity. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. For his name's sake. Amen.